this is the remnants of Camo Sunday for y'all, the guests that are here, and uh, just uh, just something we've started several years ago, and and used to, of course, there still are a lot of hunting camps around here and this part of Promised Land, and and we just uh, take this time to honor them, welcome them, welcome all of our hunters. It's a tradition. And, uh, and another neat thing is uh, it kind of coincides with tomorrow being Veterans Day. And uh, so just thank the Lord for our veterans. We honored some this morning. It is awesome to have all of our guests here. Uh, we have a guest that's speaking tonight. He's not a guest to all the Promised Land people. Former pastor here at Promised Land, Brother Kenny Williams. And uh, so I asked him to speak, and he graciously accepted, and I appreciate him. And he's had a lot of good news lately, but I'm going to let him share a lot of that with you. Come on, Brother Kenny. Amen. Thank you, Brother Mike, for sharing the pulpit this evening. And it is a pleasure and a delight to be uh, at the Promised Land. Uh, I do want to share uh, a few things with you about uh, Solid Rock uh, Baptist Mission. Of course, uh, everyone knows that we just... uh, Finished up our state meeting uh, in Benton, Arkansas, shared Missionary Baptist Church in Benton, and was able to uh, share what, right along with our other state missionaries what God has been doing in the state of Arkansas. And uh, I was able to share uh, with the messenger body that uh, we have went back to the bank. Uh, let me just kind of go back a little further. A little over a year ago, we uh, we went to the bank to borrow uh, to borrow some monies to uh, begin construction uh, on a new sanctuary. And uh, if you've if you've done any business with a bank lately, they don't give away money very easily, especially to churches. And uh, because if uh, you know if you walk away and leave a church building, there's not a whole lot of folks in the market of buying a church building. So. They're really cautious of uh, loaning monies to uh, to a new work. And so uh, we've been dealing with the RVS Bank because we've got several business people in the mission that deal with uh, with the RVS Bank, and that's who we've been dealing with. But um, they came back a year ago and told us that we had to raise $100,000 in our building fund and also have our land paid off, which was 12 acres we were able to pay that land off uh, a couple, of, two or three years ago, because of the the quarterly offerings that the uh, the project money uh, is established for different different places uh, in our works, and so we were able to receive two of those, and that hurt, that that paid our land off. So that that looked good to the bank because we paid off two hundred twenty five thousand in about twenty three months. And uh, and so they still wasn't satisfied with the land, so they said you got to raise a hundred grand. So we went back to our sponsoring church and to the churches that support us monthly, and uh, they began to rally around and have special offerings and special drives so that we could raise that money. Well, last this past October, Calvary Missionary Baptist Church in Sheridan, Arkansas, which that is our sponsoring church, Brother Terry Williams is the pastor. Yeah, he's my brother. He's my oldest brother. And uh, they had a mission emphasis on a Saturday. And we needed about $20,000 more to reach the 100000 mark. 
And in that one Saturday, we surpassed that. And uh, you can say amen. amen. And uh, we were excited. And uh, so we went back to the bank the very next week and said, okay, land's paid for. Here's $100,000 in our building fund. So let's get to work. And so it's passed. I was hoping to have a letter of approval before the state meeting. I wanted to so much report to the body that we were approved by the bank, but we didn't get that letter. So uh, I made the report, and then lo and behold, the dividend. I don't know if you've ever explained the dividend check to, to the church, but the Brotherhood Mutual, most of our ABA churches have Brotherhood Mutual insurance to cover their their contents, their uh, everything with the church. And so many of our churches pay in a lot of money during the year in premiums. And if there's not a lot of claims during the year, Brotherhood Mutual will write a check back to the messengers of the state of Arkansas, the ABA. Last year it was $98,000. And uh, that was put in a CD, which didn't draw a whole lot. But then, when we got to the meeting this year, they've already received the check for this next year, and it was 101000 And so that was over 200000 that we had in that Brotherhood, Brotherhood Mutual dividend check. And so they voted uh, at the messenger meeting Thursday to give Solid Rock $60,000. And so, of course, I shouted. And, uh, and, and I went outside called the treasurer of the mission and said, hey, uh, I, know that, uh, I know that our banker has put the package together and it's showing we've got 115000 in our building fund, but you go and call John at the bank right now and tell him that there's a $60,000 check that will be electronically transferred to our account Tuesday morning. So it's 175000 and uh, And that's, that just that caused the banker to shout. And so, because uh, he, John is a good Christian man, but on, he can only do so much. It, our vest has, has three boards that it has to go through. They, it goes through a junior board, then it goes through a senior board, and then it goes, if you, if you want to borrow more than five million, it goes through the third. We didn't have to go through the third one. But uh, we are borrowing $800,000. And I know that seems like a lot, but that's not a lot. Uh, if you were to build this building here today and what you have right here on this property, it would surpass that by a lot. And so we're starting from scratch. And so we're, we're doing it in stages. I, I wish I'd have brought a picture, but it's, it's going to all be shelled out. It'll all be under roof. But our education will be a two-story building, and we're just going to finish the bottom, and we're just going to deck out the top story. And that will be for future. And on the other side of the sanctuary will be uh, about a 75 by 70 uh, open room that will be used for our fellowship hall slash family life center. It's just going to be concrete. Uh, we're not even going to build our kitchen uh, right now. Uh, Calvary Church, our sponsoring church, I believe, is going to take that one project on themselves. And, and hopefully they will they'll get our kitchen built. And so, because we, you know, we like to eat, don't we? Amen. We got to have a kitchen. And so, uh, I just hadn't found a bull yet to keep the floor swept. Huh? 
but uh, or Miss Betty, I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> but uh, we're excited. Pray for us, and uh, and I want to thank you for sending us a check. Y'all sent us a one-time offering a few months back, and we're we're excited about that. It's being used. Every all the monies that we've been receiving uh, have been going right into our building fund, and so to the bank. You, you, you need to show a lot of income and not a lot of output. And so uh, we've been trying to get all, everything together uh, for our bank. And hopefully this Tuesday or Wednesday morning, they're going to make a final decision whether we're going to get our construction loan. So I'm asking Promised Land Church to pause this week. Just say a prayer. I believe in prayer. And I don't say that just because I'm a preacher. I believe in prayer because I've seen God answer prayers. I'm asking you to say a prayer that God will press upon their hearts to give us that money so we can get started. Now, we, we are thankful for what God has done. We've got a building that's, that is... It's adequate, but it's an old, old building. And it's in a place we had to go further away. We were in the school in the area that we're going to be building, so we were having a just a great flow of visitors every week. Well, we lost the school, and we had to go five miles out further. Uh, and we're renting an old, old church building that Lakeview Baptist had for years. And this area is so depleted uh, that that's why they sold it or trying to sell it and they moved out closer to Interstate 540 because everybody's moving out of that area. I'm not saying God can't, can't do things there in that area, but we've seen, the, we've seen our visitors go down because they're passing five or six other churches before they get to us. And someone that doesn't know anything about the truth, they just see a church building. That's where they're going to stop and go to church. And so pray for us. We're ready to get out of that building, and we're ready to get where God wants us to be uh, and to be able to work. Just a little recap. This past year, uh, we had eight additions, uh, six of those on profession of faith, two by letter. And this was the report that I, that I gave that I had to send in for uh, this past year. Since this report, we've had four more that have been saved. And uh, I was able to baptize three college students last Sunday morning. And, uh, and, and so I was, I was excited about that. We had a high attendance of 92 this past year. Uh, we averaged 58 for Sunday school, uh, 67 for worship. Uh, we run it in the 50s uh, on Wednesday night and Sunday night. Um, we had a, a wonderful revival. Brother Vernon Wood came and preached our revival. Had an 83 for a high in our revival. And we had two saved in that revival back in the summer. So uh, God's good. And uh, just praying that uh, we can get, uh, get started on our building soon. And so any questions? Well, Brother Michael did ask me to, if I would preach uh, this evening. And uh, I was reluctant to say no because I know he teaches at the seminary. And I remember a teacher at the seminary said, 
you know, if you ever, if you ever say, I don't have a, a, an outline, he'll look at you and say, well, you got your Bible. So I was afraid that's what he might would say if I'd have told him <laughs> I didn't have an outline. But, so I went home, and uh, between church and the party we had, where's Sister Martha? she here? I didn't make sure she didn't eat too much cake. But uh, we, uh, I got an outline together, and hopefully, hopefully I wrote down the right scriptures because I did it fast. But if you got your Bible, hope you do. Turn to Matthew chapter 27, the Gospel of Matthew. If you'd stand with me as we read a portion of God's Word. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 45 through verse number 54. Tomorrow we are celebrating Veterans Day, and uh, we had an opportunity to have those that have served in the armed forces to stand so that we could recognize you and to thank the Lord for you. Uh, and I do thank the Lord for our service men and ladies that are willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I can remain free and have the religious freedom that we have today. May we never take for granted what God has enabled us to have. Amen? Matthew chapter 27, verse number 45 through verse 54. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani. And that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man called for Elias or Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Then verse number 54. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Let us go again to our Savior in prayer as we do. Brother Larry Collins, would you direct our hearts, please? Amen. Thank you. May be seated. So as I think about sacrifices, and as I mentioned just a moment ago, we, we were able to see those standing this morning that served in some capacity. 
And there are still many over there in our in another country that are that is that is our, uh, it's not American soil, but we have American soldiers that are there in Afghanistan. I heard that we've y'all got one that's fixing to go back to Afghanistan very soon, and and I know that that brings sadness of heart many times. But you know what? I know ne- I never served in the armed forces, boy, but I respect those that truly do. I respect the fact that they are willing to leave family. They're willing to do whatever it takes to carry on the torch that many have done in our stead. And I look at all of the sacrifices that have been made throughout all these centuries. And I think about my own father, John Williams, who served in the Navy and and, and he gave his life and, and time to, to the Navy. And I think of my grandfather as he served in the in the Army. And, and, and then I, I think about who served us and gave the ultimate sacrifice. Well, you know what? Jesus Christ is the only one that can come to mind. Jesus Christ is the one that gave and paid the ultimate sacrifice. You know, I never want to forget the price that others have paid so that I might be free. I hope I never forget, but even if I were locked away in some deep, dark dungeon, somewhere, many of our apostles that lived on this earth had to live a lot of their years in a dark dungeon for preaching and for doing the things that you and I should be doing. And they gave the ultimate sacrifice. They paid that price. But even though they may place Brother Michael or myself or some other preacher in a dark dungeon away so that we can no longer stand behind a pulpit such as this and proclaim the gospel, I believe the gospel is still powerful. I believe the gospel still changes lives. I believe the gospel can save souls. You've seen that through those children this morning. The gospel is still powerful. It's still sharper than any two-edged sword. Folks, it cuts going in and it cuts coming out. So I think of the gospel and I think of the one that is the gospel. His name is Jesus Christ, Jehovah God. And so I think of this and I want to remember 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, this man named Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice to secure your liberty, my liberty, to give us eternal freedom. Because when He died on the cross, it was finished. He completed the ultimate task. So I want to examine that sacrifice again today. I want us to look back to that very moment when Jesus died on an old rugged cross for you and for me. Now, I don't know what page it is in your songbook, but there's a song in there that we like to sing. It's entitled, The Old Rugged Cross. I hope we never forget that song. But the first verse, you remember, goes like this. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. The course goes, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday 
for a crown. Folks, I'm telling you, as I stand here this evening, Jesus Christ, He was able, He was willing to go all the way. Aren't you thankful He went all the way? I'm thankful that He went all the way. Brother Larry laid Himself down on the old rugged cross and they lifted Him up for the whole world to see. Hanging there in shame. Hanging there naked. Hanging there in pain and anguish. And Jesus Christ, He looked at them with a love that only you and I wish we could have. And He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He loved them. Folks, I want to always remember what Jesus Christ has done for me. May we never forget. First thing I want us to notice is may we never forget the cruelty of that day. The cruelty that Jesus Christ experienced on the old rugged cross. There's three C's that I want to look at. It is the crown. It is the crowd that was there that day. And of course, the old rugged cross. Let's look at the crowd. Well, in Matthew chapter 27, look back at verse 27 through verse number 31. He says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a crown of thorns. They put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him. They took the robe off of him, put his own raiment on him and laid him away to, or led him away to crucify him. Folks, I'm telling you, this, uh, this crown was not uh, a symbol of respect. It was a symbol of rejection. Now, when you, you, when you hear the word crown, most of us think about the, the many crowns that Jesus Christ is going to have one day. And we think about, hopefully, the crown that we're going to receive when we get to glory land and, and be able to, to cast that all back at the feet of Jesus. But I'm telling you, this thorn, this crown that was made out of thorns that was placed upon the head of our Savior was not to, 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 to admire Him, was not to show any respect or dignity. It was, a, it was a picture of mockery. They spit in His face. They bowed one knee to Him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Folks, they did not respect Him. And I pray every day that I will never make mockery of anything that Jesus stands for. You see, when I'm not faithful to the Lord, I believe He feels those thorns again. I believe it reminds Him of those thorns. I believe that as a saved individual, when I am not faithful in my duties as a soldier of the cross, I believe Jesus feels those Roman soldiers nailing Him back to that cross. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I do believe it matters how you respect our Lord. I believe He earned our respect. He deserves all that we can give Him. Amen? I don't feel sorry for anybody that says they have a backache on Sunday night, but they're well enough to go to work on Monday morning. Can I get an amen? It's amazing to me. They can be sick all weekend long, but a miracle happens sometimes between midnight and 7 o'clock Monday morning. But yet we'll come to church sometimes and we'll give Him half-hearted worship. 
I know I'm meddling, but you know what? I'm Kenny Williams. I meddle. <laughs> Who was that? Everybody's pointing everywhere. Amen. <laughs> Folks, it, 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 and I know it does for Brother Michael. We may learn how to hide it sometimes. But we miss people when they're not there. And it really hurts your heart when you know there's nothing really wrong with them except a little bit of sin sick. And the only place you can really get right with God many times, you need to come to the hospital. You need to come to the house of God and get right with God. Because I'm going to tell you something, when the Lord said it is finished, when the Lord was able to go through the crown of thorns, when the Lord was able to receive that mockery, you know what? He didn't have himself on his mind. He had you. He had you on his mind. He had you on his heart. So you know what? When I wake up on Sunday morning, Brother Michael, and I've got a headache like the church members have, and I say, you know what? All i got to do is call that older preacher that's a member of the mission. He'd be glad to fill in for me today. Amen? And then I've got this wife named Renita. And she'll look at me and say, get up. You will be fine. Praise God for her. And I'll get up, get ready, and have to go down there to the church and, and preach. But then I get to thinking, you know what? I'm not doing it for people. Sometimes we get to thinking we're doing it for the people. Sometimes you as a church member, you think you're coming for the people. Let me tell you something. I'm not coming for the people. And I'm not coming because I'm the pastor. I come because of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid for me and for you. So I think of the crown. The cruelty of that crown. Look at Luke chapter 19. You got these down? Because I didn't write all these scriptures down. There you go. Luke 19 verse 14 says, But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. Folks, I'm going to tell you, I believe that is still sometimes the mentality of many people today. We think, you know what? We, we, we've got, we know the Lord by name. We know Jesus by name. How many of us holler out Jesus from time to time? And we think, boy, I, I want Jesus to touch my life. I want Jesus to do something big in my life. But then, then we act like when things are going good, we don't really want the Lord to be anywhere around. We need the Lord to reign over us constantly. I want Him to be boss. I want Him to be the Lord of my life. Not only do I want to see the crown, but I want to look at the crowd that was there that day. Look at the same chapter, Matthew 27. Look at verse 39 through verse 44. He says, And they passed by and reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself, if thou be the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, he saved others himself. He cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. 
Then he says he trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will say, have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. So we see a crowd there all around the cross. The ones that were present. Everyone that was there except for just a few were reviling him. They were casting out mockery. They were saying some of the hatefulest things that probably could flow from people's lips. They were spitting upon him. They were wagging their tongues at him. And even the thieves beside him tried to get involved in all of that. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ, I'm so thankful that he stayed on the cross. See, I'd have come down and whipped a bunch of them. Amen? He could have called legions of angels. One could have done it. One could have taken care of all that were there. But he chose to stay on the cross. No matter what was flowing from their mouths. The cruelty from that crowd. So you know what? Again. Brother Michael, you ever had anybody say anything bad to you? Huh? I mean... You got church members sometimes that don't like the preacher. Did you believe that there were folks here that didn't like me? <laughs> Can I get another amen? <laughs> so you got quiet then. <laughs> you know what? Again, I'd have quit a long time ago if I listened to people. Crowds can be cruel. Crowds were cruel to the Lord that day and crowds can be cruel to people in general today. Christian people need to remember what our Savior went through. And if you'll reflect on the Savior, get this now, this don't cost you anything. Get your eyes on the Lord, you'll get your eyes off the preacher. Get your eyes on the Lord, you'll get your eyes off the deacons. Get your eyes on the Lord, you'll get your eyes off everybody else and everything else. Get your eyes on the Lord and you will go further than you really dreamed about going. I tell our folks at Solid Rock, when they start bickering, they get hung up. I try to put Jesus out in front of them again. Because, see, I can't do anything to keep them really focused. I can try. But if you can get Jesus back in front of them again, boy, they can get focused. They can get focused on the real things. They can get focused on the things that matter. So we look at the symbol of the crowd there as, as they rejected the, the, the Son of God. Look at John chapter 1, verse number 11. He says, He came unto His own, and His, and his own received Him not. Then we see the cross. <laughs> the cross clearly was the symbol of suffering. It was a symbol of death. Look at verse 35 through verse number 37 of our text. I'm about done. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture they did cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there and set and set up over his head his accusation written this is Jesus the king of the Jews 
the suffering of the cross, the symbol of a rejected Savior. I think about all this and I think about the cries from our Savior. If you'll read the Scriptures, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to be able to finish this, but that's okay. I look at the Savior and I look at Scripture and I hear a forgiving cry from Jesus. You read Scripture, you can't see any hate there. Come on. You can't see any malice. You can't see any negative talk there from the cross. <laughs> I mean, this is after the crowd. This is after... The crown, this is after they put him on the cross. Jesus still demonstrated grace. You want to know why I do what I do? Grace. You know why churches can keep going forward for the Lord? It's not about the general fund. Amen. It's not about everything that we can produce. Folks, it's about the grace of a loving Savior. The forgiving cry. Look at Luke chapter 23, verse number 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted His raiment, and they cast lots. Jesus ends his ministry as he began it, Brother Mike, with a prayer. <laughs> Amen. He began his ministry with prayer, Brother Herbert, and he ended it on the cross with a wonderful prayer. Father, forgive him. Oh, what he could have done. <laughs> but he decided to continue to exercise his grace. Then we see in verse 43 of Luke 23, Look at that. There's another cry. He says there. Can you get there? Verse 43. Because I, I can turn there. There you go. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Remember that story? The old thief asked the Lord as the Lord was dying. You know what? I believe that thief actually saw grace. Amen. One was reviling him, one was making mockery, one was challenging him right along with the scribes. And one was looking at him and watching him, listening to the words that were coming from his lip, listening how he was handling all that was going on. You know what? That was a great witness. Amen. He saw grace from a dying man. And he said, remember me when thou comest into the to thy heavenly kingdom, to the paradise. He said, today thou shalt be, what? With me in paradise. So we see that cry. And then we see a cry over in John chapter 19, verse 25 through verse 27. He says, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene, verse number 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Verse 27. Then said he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took 
her unto his own home. So I, you know what? Jesus was busy that day. You get this? Here's a man hanging on the cross, having to try to lift himself up just to get a breath. Dying every moment. And look at all that he had to say to a crowd that didn't like it, to a crowd that would just wish he would hurry up and give up the ghost. He said, Father, forgive them, Brother Herbert, for they know not what they do. (laughs) He had grace for a thief. And then he turned and called unto that mother. I like this, folks. That's called a family cry. He had time for the family. Jesus took the time to provide for his mother. She had no one. So he gave her someone. It's kind of the... The comparison with the Jewish wedding. Jesus was calling John into a covenant relationship with Mary. Did John fulfill it? Yes, he did. So as I close this evening, I want your mind and your heart to never forget what it paid, what what Christ had to pay so that you and I could be here on this Sunday night to worship a wonderful Savior. And His name is what? His name is what? There's just something about that name, isn't it? You mention the name, it's wonderful. You know, the name is powerful. I may have shared this story with you when I was your pastor, but I, I, I want to share it again as I close. I had a I had a cousin, Randy Ellingberg, and uh, he was in the uh, prison system for a lot of years. He started off as a guard, and he wound up making it all the way to captain, right under the warden. He was in charge of discipline. If someone acted up, they got to come see Randy. And he decided what the consequences were. He was up in way up north Texas at one of the big prisons there, and that's where they sent a lot of bad people. And I remember sitting at a family reunion, and Randy was telling us, he's, he was looking at all of us preachers, he said, you know what? I had something happen to me not long ago. He said, I want to share it with you. He said, we had an old guy come in there. He done killed several people. You couldn't talk to him. No one could get him to settle down enough. They always had to put one of those things over his face where he couldn't spit on you. I mean, he was just a rowdy individual. They had him chained to a chair. Because when they brought him to the prison, the first one they had, he had to talk to was Randy. Randy said, I'm going I'm to talk to him. He didn't really care what the uh, regulations were at the prison. He, he was a Christian, and he tried to be a Christian. They brought this old guy in there and they had his chair chained down. They had him chained down. Had that thing over his face. Randy said he walked into the room. The old guy was just trying to break loose. He was just someone that was like he was possessed. And Randy walked over there to him. 
He was chained down, couldn't move, put his hands on his shoulder. He said, son, he said, I'm a Christian. And he said, I want to do something. He says, has anybody ever mentioned to you about Jesus Christ? Randy said the guy completely just went calm. And he said, would you take this thing off of my head? I want to talk to you. They were kind of hesitant. There were guards in there. And he said, no, we don't need to take it off. Randy said, take it off of him. I'll, I'll, I'll suffer the consequences if he does something. They pulled that thing off of him. When he did, he saw tears running down his cheeks. And he said, you know what? I've been a bad person all my life. And he said, you're the first one. Everybody else tries to tell me and help me with everything else. And it don't work. He said, nobody's ever told me about Jesus Christ. Randy witnessed to that old boy. And he got saved. Now, he died in prison. He paid for his sins. He paid the consequences for his sins behind those bars. He died. You know what? Randy this day believes that he's in heaven. No matter what he done... Jesus forgave him. If that is not true, then we need to pack up tonight and leave, Brother Michael. But if Jesus could save a thief that was on a cross, that done no telling what, folks, he can save the wretched person in Ashley County. That old boy got saved. The warden brought Randy into the office and said, You know what? You're not supposed to do that. That's against the rules. But the warden said, you know what? There must have been something to it because it worked. So Randy tried to witness to the warden, he said. (laughs) Amen. Get them all saved. Folks, I'm not trying to be a joker. I'm just trying to tell you. Jesus Christ, the one that hung on the cross, he was not a victim. If he would have been a victim, he'd have said, I am finished. But he was a victor. Because he said, it is finished. And he finished it for you, and he finished it for me, and he finished it for that one up there in Texas years ago. That no one could do anything with Jesus. Just the mention of Jesus Christ changed him. It's powerful, isn't it? If you believe that, say amen. Would you stand with me, Brother Michael? If y'all want to have an invitation, I always like to have one. Would you come and maybe the musician players come and maybe there's someone here tonight and you, you've taken for granted the name Jesus. Maybe, maybe Jesus is just a name for you. But I hope that you have a personal relationship with Him. If you don't have one, I pray that tonight you'll invite Jesus into your heart and your life. That He'll be your King. Because He's the one that can change your life. Maybe you're here and you need to rededicate your life. I don't know what your need is. But I'm telling you that every one of us have needs. Care if you've been saved five years or fifty years. We all have needs. Folks, I got discouraged not long ago. Brother Michael said something today. He said, you know what? I could tell you were a little bit discouraged when you gave your report the other day. You know what? Even preachers get discouraged.
I try to hide it, but I'm not good at it. He saw it. But you know what? I know He cares. But even though I know He cares, I know Jesus cares. And that's how I get up. And I keep going. Day after day after day. Jesus. Maybe you're here today. You're about to give up. You're about to throw in the towel. I don't know what you're going through. Only God does. But I'm telling you, you can get tired. You can get discouraged. (laughs) The old devil loves to do it. Just come back to Jesus. He changed your life then. He can still change your life now. Will you let him?